Hello, my darlings. And welcome back <laughs> to Radio Wasteland. Stumbled across my own impressive radio delivery right there. I am Chauncey Hallworth, the host of this uh, Illustrious show. show. Yeah, yeah, totally famous worldwide <laughs> on the interweb. And, and I'm uh, a heckler. And this is Sean, my heckler. <laughs> How are you doing, no, Sean? No, really, I'm the other host. I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I'm excited for the show here. We had a, a very good interview with these folks the last other time. Yeah, we got I'm Jen. getting ahead and, of myself. But yeah, yeah, we got Jen and Jenna from the She, she Squatchers coming back, and we're yeah, just going right. to kind of have fun and talk about all the things that Bigfoot really might be. Yeah. I got a Bigfoot-related story, which I have a different news segment, so I wanted to share this now because I can right. decide between them. There's a woman who's suing the state of California um, with, uh, with, like, this petition in court to get them to legally recognize that Bigfoot exists. Really? So legal experts don't think this is likely to go anywhere in the sense that it is likely to be dismissed immediately. Well, doesn't um, <laughs> legal stuff take proof? Uh, I would think in general, yeah, Um it is a fairly long document. Um, you can read the petition online. Uh, and, yeah, she does cite sources. Huh. Um, to, like, obviously, right? There's a zillion Bigfoot videos on the Internet. There's, I want to say I'm pulling <laughs> There's this. a zillion Bigfootologists or whatever. Right. Cryptozoologists. Uh, I want to say, and I'm pulling this from my memory somewhere back there, um, but other countries have actually done this. Wait, and really? actually has happened so we're gonna to have to look into this during the break and address this <laughs> i would be extremely surprised if that was the case but this show is about nothing if not extremely surprising things that's so. true but uh before our guest comes on i have a grievance i'd like to air sure yeah <clears throat> air your grievance on, on the, the air, air right yeah. right very clever thank you yeah yeah what is it um <laughs> um so our guest um, thought the show was earlier due to the time change oh. springing forward and <laughs> the different time zones. That's she confusing. got, she got a little confused in that, which I mean, you know, I mean, it happens to all of us every once in a while, but yeah, I mean, that's an acceptable excuse. So I know we don't live in a time where it's really politically correct to say anything good about China. but china the country of china covers about i think five time zones okay and china does not have daylight savings time well why would they Uh, because it's a silly thing that we have that i don't think anyone else really has except maybe one or two places yeah well they also (laughs) don't have time zones Wait, really? Yes. Oh. So people all the way on the West might be going to work at three in the morning. Huh. Where people all the way on the East might be going to work at eight in the morning. Interesting. And they just have a set time across the entire country. Honestly, I mean, that's maybe a good way to do it. You don't have to keep track of as much. You know, it's just our intuitive understandings of 3 a.m. as the middle of the night versus the late morning or whatever. It means nothing. It's just a label that we put on something. You know, if you're going to work when the sun came up, well, then you go to work when the sun came up. 
Okay. So it, I, it just I, sucks if you work for the state <laughs> who maybe have mandated hours oh, so yeah. that they can all interact, you know? Yeah. In which case, true. you really might be going to work at three, four in the morning, you know? <laughs> that's brutal. But um, I, I mean, th- either way, you're dealing with some weird earth rotation related inconvenience. So. Totally. Isn't everything? Yeah. Isn't everything? You know, um, throughout my life, I have battled being nocturnal. Uh huh. I hate the daytime. Right. And it's not that I hate the daytime. It's just my body hates it. Okay. My circadian rhythm. You burn in the sun. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, it, I just, I can't do it. And like, so I own my own business and like I make my own business hours and people are, oh, that's great. You make your own business hours. And the answer is kind of. Yeah. But you got to interact with the world. I with interact them. with other businesses. Yeah, I made my own business hours. It's 8 to 5 every day. Yeah. <laughs> because that's when businesses are open. You know, so I have kids. I got a business. And so I, I get up at 6 o'clock every morning, and every morning I hate it. You know, I I Frankenstein walk into my kitchen in, you know, my underpants and a T-shirt, and I basically stare at the Keurig while it... <laughs> spits out some coffee and I hate it. And then and then we got to change the time zones. I mean change the uh daylight savings and all that. Mm-hmm. Which so stresses me out. Hour. So this is a fight that I've been doing my so so like Saturday night and Sunday night mainly, you know, I I mm-hmm. got to be back to work on Monday. Sunday night, I end up getting panicked, and I'm just all like, oh, God, no, I have to get to sleep early, you know, and and then get up, and, and, and so I end up getting myself into such a panic that I end up not going to sleep until, like, 2 in the morning, Ugh. and then yeah. <laughs> I basically have to get up four hours later. I'm running on nothing, an hour less than nothing, and I just got to say to all of you out there, why are we doing this? I don't know. I, I suffer less, I think, because I fortunately work nights, so I rarely have to get up before one or two in the afternoon. Yeah. I just so. have a hard time um, <laughs> relaxing until... Right. The, if you know most... you've got to get up at a certain time, then it, you know... Yeah. And the most relaxed I ever <laughs> am is when all my family is home and they're all asleep. <laughs> I know that everything's done. I know that no problems are going to come. The phone is not going to ring. Mm-hmm. The family is all safe and taken care of. I'm yeah. vigilant on the couch, possibly watching some 80s cartoon. And then that persists for another 20 minutes. And, and then, then my brain, over. unfortunately, then my <laughs> brain comes to life. You know, so this is kind of part of my problem with um, nocturnalness is that once all the stresses are taken out, you know, my creative brain comes to life and I'm just all, hey, I should write a novel. <laughs> at, at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday, you yeah. know, but I don't know. It's not really an option. Well, I mean, we're going to just try and inch closer to being, you know, gainfully employed late night radio host. Well, I, I would like somebody to tell me why we do this still. I mean, I understand why we did it initially. People buy why more do we do stuff it still? during daylight savings time. Well, then keep daylight savings time year round. Well, then it isn't anything. If no, you just if it's your round, it'll hour. just be the time. <laughs> you know, I I think it's the change that I don't know. I don't understand it. But let's just change it every day. 
Every day we'll go up an hour. The next day we'll go down. Then we'll always be thrown off. And buy, oh, yeah. and buying more stuff. And yeah, by extension, that would be great for industry. Totally. Because except for the lost productivity, I don't know why people buy more stuff during daylight savings time. I don't know why that works, but apparently they do. Well, there's so probably some sort of spike it. of the season, you know, yeah. and people say, "Hey, it's buying season." You know, I bought a new barbecue, so I mean, everybody, right? You know, getting ready for the season. All right, you are listening to Radio Wasteland, and coming up next, we have our guests, Jen and Jenna, the She Squatchers, back here again to discuss what is Bigfoot. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guests, Jen and Jenna, the She-Squatchers, returning to our show to discuss, uh, of all things, Bigfoot. Jen, Jenna, we got you there? You do. Hello. There there they are. Yeah, we we got you from two separate locations, or are you in the same room talking on two different phones? (laughs) I'm actually in Moorhead, Minnesota, and Jenna's calling in from Galveston, Texas. Oh, we're going continental wide. All right. So, uh, you know, the, the thing that we were thinking that we would discuss this evening is really kind of all the things that, that Bigfoot could be. And, uh, you know, I, I really thought that we'd kind of start off with the oldest idea. Um, some of it can get a little paranormal. Um, I guess paranormal is maybe not the right word. Some of it can get a little, um, supernatural. Yeah. But a lot of it has to do with the um, Native Americans and their sightings um, throughout the, you know, their oral history for thousands of years before we even got here. You know, that kind of, to me, puts a serious exclamation point on the possibilities of this thing even existing. Um, have you guys in, in your adventures had a chance to look into much of that? The Native American history? Yeah. Yes, yes. Actually, I am part Native American. I'm part Dakota Sioux and Ojibwe and Cree um, and a whole bunch of other things. Some mixed blood of every, everything, I think. But How, I am how American of you. <laughs> oh, yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very drawn to learning about the Native beliefs about Bigfoot and, and how that is intertwined in their cultural culture and the spiritual beliefs as well. And... Uh, as the Ojibwe belief, it, and it is very much the same, very very similar to the belief of the Dakota Sioux, uh, which is that Bigfoot is a solid creature, a solid being, but yet can move through the woods in a gliding motion, very quietly, um, as if the trees weren't there. So through through shallow places or or narrow places that you wouldn't normally think that Bigfoot Bigfoot could fit through. Um, and that Bigfoot could move through dimensions at will. So into the spirit realm and then the solid realm here where we are, this physical realm at will. Um, they, that's the belief that the Native people have. As well as that Bigfoot is lumped into a category, so to speak, called the little people, what they call the little people, which actually mm. is a, even though Bigfoot's not little, uh, the Dakota believe Bigfoot is often with Chahotanas, which is actually spelled Canotina, but it's pronounced Chahotana. 
And when asked what that is, they are considered the little people of the wooded woodlands of the forest. And they look like little little baby Bigfoots, but they're not baby Bigfoots. They're full-grown little people. And that Bigfoot is often near near them. So they're very connected with the with the little people. Yeah, the, the Ojibwe yeah. believe the same type of thing that they're very connected, uh, and and that Bigfoot is like our bigger brother looking out for us, living an honest life, and is is comes to us in times where we need to know something that will help to guide us in some way. Yeah, this kind of takes on two thoughts for me. One is the sort of uh, supernatural, and one is the sort of scientific. And, you know, it seems that a lot of the Native Americans, you know, apply a super or the ancient Native American peoples um, apply a sort of supernatural um, belief system to Bigfoot and them being an ancient peoples. You take ancient peoples from anywhere in the world and, and they do apply these these potential mythologies to the situation so I don't I don't find any of that shocking, although I find that all to be possible as well. The thing that that really draws it together for me is the consistency across all of North America um, from groups of people speaking drastically different languages, yet they all have this same history, this same folklore, you know, different stories connected to it, but still the same description in the same areas and the same activities, you know, it's, it's really kind of, I don't know. It, it really sort of adds some weight to the idea that this either is there or at least once was there. Exactly. I, I fully agree with you. I'm actually this, this week I'm headed to Ohio uh, to look at some petroglyphs at the Leo petroglyphs in Ohio, because I I have seen online that they have some petroglyphs that lead me to believe they might be referencing Bigfoot. So I want to go check out and see what else they have there, see if I can gain some insight to what the ancient peoples were trying to communicate to us in the present. Yeah, it's always, it's always interesting, especially when it, when it jumps that divide. Um, I would say that, you know, there's a lot of uh, cryptid beliefs out there and stuff that sort of pass from ancient what we would call myth to present day sightings, but very few as consistent in their timeline. You know, um, it sort of went right from these native people seeing it to the um, English settlers starting to see it sort of much like a champ in Lake Champlain and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of sightings of natives talking about that for years. And then, you know, here comes Champlain seeing these things as well. Um, and it really is quite amazing the consistency, the timeline consistency. So like in the case of, you know, if you're seeing fairies or something, you know, we're looking at a good 600 years in between the belief system in these things and then people starting to cite them again. But in the case of Bigfoot, it, it really seems quite consistent. That's what I'm taking in too. And simply from our own experiences, a lot of the things that, that we've heard from the natives over time, actually, we've we've come to see evidence that perhaps that is true. It suggests that this that they were right. You know, certain things that we've we've encountered or experienced or found, you know, is, is pointing to the the idea that they were correct. Yeah, it's um, 
Also, what I was trying to get at earlier is, uh, you know, maybe I won't beat around the bush so much. In the case of um, other ancient histories, um, their belief systems that they had that they no longer have anymore. But in the case of Native Americans, you know, a lot of these people still have these belief systems and these religions. And so, you know, I was trying to tiptoe around the fact that whether or not they're real um, on the spiritual level, you know, there's still a lot there for us to take scientifically, but that's in no way me knocking uh, the religious aspect of it because a lot of the things we cover here are definitely um, preternatural, you know? <laughs> well, what we might do, what a lot of people might consider religious or spiritual, I think can be also explained by science when we start to look at, uh, say, quantum physics. And, and those aspects of things where if you, if you consider that everything exists at a certain energy frequency and that perhaps when a, a certain solid, solid being raise its own, raises its own energy frequency to a certain level, perhaps it, it becomes less solid and can move more freely through the solid substances like a forest as if it, as if it, as if it wasn't there at all. You yeah. know, just like they're saying. So these types of things, when you look at quantum physics, becomes more possible. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I, I agree. And even on the flip side, you know, talking about, you know, ancient people seeing something shaped like a man moving through the forest in a way that they aren't capable of doing, you know, leads them to try to explain it. So it's mm -hmm. like either way that you're going, you know, it it's still... Um, because I feel like half the people who would listen to this would would find credibility in the spirituality and would find credibility in the scientific. I guess what I'm trying to say is they are not mutually exclusive. Right. Well, it, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, you thought you'd seen some support in your own uh, travels and your own um, you know documenting of all of this of some of these native ideas i'm i'm wondering were you talking about like the ability to pass through through underbrush is that something you've seen um or or surmised at least from your own experiences our very first expedition out when we when we went out to uh we checked out the areas in the daylight and we returned to them at dark and one particular area that I marked as wanting to return to because it has a specific energy feel that was different that I hadn't sensed before, mm -hmm. so we returned to that spot, and it was just a really active hot spot that night. There had been rocks thrown at us that were coming down through the trees, and, you know, they're 50-cent piece to, a, to maybe a, a silver dollar size, but they were just being lobbed down. Uh, and, and falling three, four feet in front of us and bouncing. I mean, quite a few of them, actually. And I didn't feel like they were trying to hit us with those rocks. I just felt like it was, you know, more playful and guiding us not to go that direction, perhaps. Um, but at some point at, at the, at, during that process of the evening, something started walking towards us, and it was a very large. It was bipedal movement, you know, one it had two feet, uh, and as it stepped, it was cracking big sticks and it was very, very loud. And we had all kinds of cameras that could see in the dark. We had night vision cameras. We had, uh, we had thermal, uh, thermal vision cameras. We mm -hmm. had everything that you could think of to see into the dark. And we couldn't see anything there. Now, the trees were very large trees. They were very tall, but they weren't very wide. So anything of any size bigger than a bunny couldn't have been walking towards us without and stay hidden 
One second there. We're coming up on the commercial break. I don't want to have to hurry you through this story. Uh, You're listening to Radio Wasteland with Jen and Jenna from the She Squatchers. Come on back and we'll finish it up. Jen and Jenna from the She Squatchers. Uh, you were in the process of telling us a story when uh, we went to commercial break. You were saying that it was coming towards you in the darkness, and you had like night vision and thermal vision. And I'll let you pick it up from Nothing there. Nothing could see it, and the trees weren't wide enough for something of size to be walking towards us and still remain hidden behind those trees. And so, I mean, we're scanning the woods in that direction. We couldn't see anything. So finally, we took our super-duper flashlights that light up the entire woods, and we lit it up, and we still couldn't see anything there. And it is still moving towards us. It's very loud. It's getting closer and closer, and, and we don't think it's that far away at all. Now, I just stood there dumbfounded. How could it be invisible? There sh- we should be seeing something there. There's some something moving. We can hear it. It's on all of our video recordings. It's on all of our digital recordings, you can clearly hear something is moving towards us, and that bipedal movement sounds very large. Why couldn't we see it? Um, I couldn't explain that. Um, Mm. The other part that, you know, the next day, I went back out there, and in that very spot, I felt called to walk in a certain direction. Uh, I felt like I had been put into a trance-like state, and this pathway was lighting up this golden light color, and something was calling my name in a sing-songy voice to walk this way. Um, and when I finally snapped out of it, I kind of got scared by the idea that something's calling me to walk that way, and I don't know what it is. So I ran back to my car, pulled my car up as close as I could get to that pathway, to the line of sight of it where I could see it, and where I wanted to walk on that pathway, underneath these sticks that were crossed in an X formation, a very large X. Um, the pathway went right underneath that X and, and off into this other area of the woods where that sound had been coming from the night before. And when I took a bunch of pictures from my car, I opened up the window and started taking pictures because um, I felt like I was safe in my car and not being in, interfered with because I felt like something was trying to lure me in there. Um, and when I took the pictures, you could see that it looked there were like there were complete circles within circles within circles huge in the forest right there, right where that sound had been coming from. And that is exactly where that path led right into the center of these circles. Now, if you look up on a Google search, if you look up the the two words together, portal and petroglyph, and you do a search for images, you're going to come up with a bunch of rock carvings that look like circles within circles within circles or a spiral. And this is what the Native American peoples had written. That was their written word for a portal, which is a, a shortcut between one physical place and another physical place. And supposedly, according to the Native American stories, this is how Bigfoot travels from one place to another, instantaneously physical travel from one place to another place, through the ground, through the earth, um, from one place to another. Not like there's an actual tunnel there. It's like instantaneous travel. 
So all of these things start fitting together like pieces of a puzzle to me. And it was the most bizarre experiences um, like that. And that's not the first time that, that Bigfoot evidence has led us to circles within circles. We found a huge trackway of prints going up um, a very, very, very steep gravel pit hill that has been determined to be too steep for a human to walk up in that fashion. Um, and it was too steep also for a bear uh, to walk up the way that it had been, the, the prints were there. And, um, you know, people like James Bobo Fay, you know, the people from Finding Bigfoot, other Bigfoot hunters at conventions that we've been at have looked at the, 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 the information that we found with that and thought that is way too steep for a human to have done that or for it to be a bear. Um, so if, you know, we eliminate the other possibilities and whatever is remaining as a possibility, then that must be it. You know, it, it, it had very large feet. Uh, the smallest footprint was 18 inches long with five toes that were clearly defined, and this never put its hands down. Um, at the top of that hill, the footprints disappeared, and it was all flattened out and even the, the foliage that was growing up there, the weeds were flattened out and leaving behind these perfect circles within circles within circles at the top of this hill. There was no descending footprint. It was just bizarre. All of these things start fitting together wow. and, and, and keep pointing back to the things that we've heard from the Native peoples. So, so in your you guys' group, um, are you guys kind of split um, with people who are are leaning towards um, paranormal possibilities and sort of hard science? I think we're all pretty open-minded. Um, two of us are part Native American out of the four. Uh, so um, I'm not a tribal member, but our, our team member, Nikki Jordan, is actually a tribal member of, of a reservation. Mm. Uh, but my mom is, is a member of the same reservation. Um, so even though Nikki is a tribal member, she is less connected to some of those stories than I am. You know, she's more of our science girl. She She's a concrete proof type girl. Mm. <laughs> and so that's very, very interesting um, that, that she's, she's very much on the look for, lookout for um, an unidentified species of primate, pretty much. Well, definitely. Here, on... I, I'm more open to the other aspects, primarily because that's what I've experienced. And that's what I've been finding. Right. It makes sense with the other research that we've been doing. Well, TV um, shows would have us think that it was it was primarily focused in a scientific search. But what about the Bigfoot community? Do you feel that that is leaning one way or the other? Or do you think uh, most Bigfoot researchers are open to 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 both? You know, what's your experience there? I was at a, a Bigfoot event and I was talking with people who were asking all kinds of questions. And as soon as I started sharing some of our experiences, they said, oh, you're woo, you're woo. And I was like, what? And, and they have this way of commenting either you're woo or you're not woo uh, to the woo aspects of Bigfoot. I and I, I guess oh. I wouldn't consider that. Uh, <laughs> That's kind that of I condescending. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> Seems a little <laughs> condescending. To refer to them as woo Bigfooters. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And it's not that I decided, oh, I'm going to be into the woo. Uh, it's that I've experienced things that were woo, that were falling into that category. 
So um, I think that once people are researching and, and looking for Bigfoot and once they have an experience that they cannot explain any other way, then they start to become more open to what they would consider, others would consider the woo aspects of Bigfoot. Right. Well, I think there's another angle of woo Bigfoot that maybe runs in conjunction, and that is there seems to be a growing sect of people who think that there is some sort of extraterrestrial aspect to Mm-hmm. Bigfoot. Um, and at first when I heard this, I thought I found it to be somewhat laughable at first when I heard it, you know, as, as is common when we hear things that sort of blow our minds a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then I thought about Star Wars. <laughs> I'm well, sure. Why not? You know, you know, am I so uh, stuck in the idea that, that, uh, you know, a, a slight Tip in human evolution, we all could have been very hairy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we aren't, you know, so, so why not? I mean, so when you're out there and you're talking to other B- Bigfoot researchers, have you seen a growth in the sort of people kind of pushing the idea of the extraterrestrial Bigfoot? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because we were contacted by MUFON, some members of North Dakota MUFON, who were going to attend really? an event wow. that we were going to be at. They wanted to come and see what we had found. And I said, well, funny you should contact us. I have something in our footage that I can't identify, and maybe you'd like to look at it. So they did. And, um, you know, when they came to see us, I just gave them the mouse to my laptop and let them play with the video back and forth, back and forth to see if they could identify what this was, and they really couldn't either. Uh, they were very intrigued by by this, whatever it was. It was on the ground, whatever it was, and it, it appeared to be some type of a craft that had beings coming and going from it. But it was off in the distance behind the structure that we had found, um, and I was only looking at it for, you know, a few moments um, while Jenna was inside the structure that we had found. So I looked over uh, beyond it and down a hill, kind of, and you know, caught this through the trees. And um, it was very shiny and metallic, and it, I mean, it was a bizarre-looking thing. Um, and I, I didn't completely grasp what I was seeing at the time um, because, again, I only looked at it for a few moments, and then Jenna was like, Jen, Jen, look, look. And so I turned back to look at her again. Um, and, and it all just happened so very, very fast. So a lot of the things that we find are, we're really analyzing further in our footage after the fact. You know, so it's like, oh, I wish we could have gone back to that exact moment and looked at that a little bit more. Because when we returned, there was nothing there in that spot. So whatever it was that had been there is no longer there. All right. Well, we're coming up on another commercial break. You're listening to Jen and Jenna of the She Squatchers here on Radio Wasteland. Come on back. to Radio Wasteland, and we're here with Jen and Jenna of the She Squatchers, and we're talking about what's up with Bigfoot. That's my scientific title for our <laughs> show today. Uh, you know, I was just looking up a few things. Uh, I thought uh, before the end of the show here we might hit on some of the um, scientific things that basically say, like, hey, Bigfoot might be a possibility. And out of curiosity, I, I was looking up how many acres – of the United States alone is forest land. 
And it's 750 million acres, which, of course, makes perfect sense to all of us because we all know what an acre is and we all can grasp the number 750 million. But to to put it in, make myself understand it a little better, the United States is about 2.3 billion acres large. So we're looking at about a third of the United States is forest land. And so I was a little shocked by that number, you know, because we're in the media constantly being hucked at this idea that there's no way Bigfoot could be out there because we totally would have seen it because people are everywhere. But obviously people are not everywhere. Right. Yeah, that that is a lot of trees. So, um, you know, what do you think the likelihood is? You know, how big of a population do you think could be out there? Well, that's a good question. I don't think anybody's asked me to estimate their population before. Um, but I can tell you that in the state of Minnesota, northern Minnesota, I think that they are quite thick in the wooded areas. <laughs> really? I think that they are quite thick, yes. <laughs> I think a lot of times people can walk right by them and never even notice them. Well, what we know scientifically is we would have to have a reasonable population or we would have some seriously inbred Bigfoots. Which would also be a good name for a rock band. Seriously inbred Bigfoots, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that might be. I might have to start touring or Bigfoot conventions. Or at least just a passable my... band, but I'm derailing us here. Go it's ahead. A, it's more of an opening <laughs> act, but whatever. You know, but... But, you know, we would have to have populations in the hundreds, you know, um, with each location, don't you think? I believe that they are, that there's at least that many up there. I think probably a whole lot more than that. A whole lot more. Yeah. A whole lot more. <laughs> another thing that kind of is really interesting to me that sort of adds credence to it is the um, diversity of you know, throughout the world and throughout the United States alone of of the creatures. You know, they're all generally the same. And, and people will sit there going like, well, why, why are they all different and so on and so forth. But I think isolated populations and not to be insulting, but probably inbreeding, um, and I'm coming from a scientific level, would cause them to look quite different um, from different parts of the w- world. I mean, look at humans – Alone, you know, everybody gets caught up on, on race and stuff like that. But I mean, um, my dad's boyfriend was from Switzerland, and you know, I met a bunch of other people from Switzerland. They all look kind of similar, you know. They have similar bone structures, just straight down to their isolated population that that was around f- for years. And and we're not even talking about race; we're talking about isolated um, populations of people. So, I personally find the diversity in in the appearance of Bigfoot to add credibility, not to take it away. Uh, what do you think? I, I think it's possible that there are different um, species or, or adaptations of what we consider to be Bigfoot. Um, if you look at just wolves in general, that all dogs are, are actually coming from the gray wolf. If you look at their mitochondrial DNA, all dogs come up as gray wolf. And even the chihuahua. I mean, right. you look at a chihuahua and a, and a poodle <laughs> and a, a great Dane, and you think all of this is the same thing as the gray wolf, and it all happened in relatively a small, a small period of time. 
So I think that the the variations that we're seeing in the Bigfoot in Bigfoot sightings and what they look like isn't very great. They, I mean, they they all relatively look kind of the same. If you consider how vastly different dogs have become over time, I mean, they, Bigfoot hasn't changed a whole lot then across the different areas. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at that. Um, but I also noticed, like in Minnesota area, we you know we always talk about Minnesota nice, and I, I always say that extends to our Bigfoot too because they seem to be really nice. Uh, in comparison to some of the stories that we hear from, like, the southern states where we have a more aggressive Bigfoot stories coming in. Uh, and I always ask, why are they being aggressive? You know, are they being encroached upon? Are they doing something to insult the Bigfoot? I mean, why are they being like that? Um, are they just like that <laughs> all the time? Right. You know, I don't know. Well, I, I, I think we can confidently say that they're being encroached upon on a regular basis. Because we encroach on everything. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're not too far from the end of the show here. Uh, what's next for you two? Well, like I said, I, I, I actually was in, uh, featured in the film Cultured Bigfoot. It's a new Bigfoot documentary by Bilco Productions. I'm heading out to the premiere of that this week uh, on March March 17th in Norton, Virginia. We're doing the, the first theatrical public premiere of that. So I'll be attending that and taking the stage after to answer some Bigfoot questions for the audience. Uh, and on this trip, I'm going to be going to Ohio, and, and I'm going to be going to to ancient native sacred places looking for those clues that they've left behind about Bigfoot. And I'm also going to do some squatching with some other teams out there uh, in Ohio and in Virginia. So I'm totally excited to go check out some other Bigfoot areas that are known hotspots. That's really fun for us when we get to go uh, with other Bigfoot researchers who have identified a hotspot so we don't have to go looking for the location. We just go there and do our thing and have our experiences. And they want to kind of take in the psychic aspect because, you know, we come in it as as intuitive psychic people um, and seeing if we can pick up on any clues that they're not catching up on. So that's what we have planned for this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really excited to go out there. Yeah, um, sounds like a lot of fun. And I, I got to throw this out every time I hear the term. I can't help but to giggle every time I hear the term squatching. It just, it's so funny to me. I love it. <laughs> I want it on a shirt. I want it on a hat. It's the best sales pitch squatching has is is the term squatching. So uh, <laughs> before we're at the end of the show here, also um, maybe you can tell our audience where they can find out more about you. Awesome. Yes, you can find us at SheSquatchers.com or on Facebook.com forward slash SheSquatchersOfficial. SheSquatchersOfficial is also how you can find our YouTube channel, so please do check us out there. We do upload uh, our many videos on occasion uh, when we get to it, but we have so many to do. Keep, you can just keep a lookout for those. And I'll encourage people to look at those, those videos and pause and look and pause and look because you just might see something in there. Well... <laughs> We really enjoy having you guys on. You guys are a lot of fun. You're very nice to talk to. And uh, I really appreciate you guys being on the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah. All right. You've been listening to Jen and Jenna from the She Squatchers here on Radio Wasteland. Come on back next week. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. We've been listening to our guests, Jen and Jenna from the She Squatchers. 
Uh, what do you think, Sean? Are you a believer yet? Um. Well, first of all, I just want to say, man, those they have some good stories. They do. They do. Have <laughs> they need to good. write a book, or I don't know. They probably have a blog or something. Well, I mean, yeah, they have yeah. shoesquatchers Well, yeah, but I don't know if they're like writing long form pieces, right? Or their right. stories, but if they aren't, they should be because that's sort of pretty incredible. Um, as for whether I believe in Bigfoot, like, I think, you know, every time we do a Bigfoot show, I end up addressing this. I think, um, I think maybe, but I, I don't, I just can't find myself believing in the idea that there's, that it's just an animal, that it's just primates living out in the woods somewhere. I, I just, I don't know. When was the, like, when was the last time we discovered you know, a large mammal that we just hadn't known. That you know, <laughs> one of the more recent um, animal discoveries. Uh, I wish I was willing to take the time to look it up while on the radio, but I'm not. <laughs> is um, the gorilla? Yeah, but that was a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. We're talking more than a hundred years. Yeah, but that's not that long ago. That's. It, eons, considering how far technology has advanced, like how much the world has changed in that amount of time. Yeah, yeah that's a but really I don't long know. Time. There hasn't been a lot of scientific, like into like a, you know, um, how many species have we discovered since then? You know, of like r- rare beetle. We've been <laughs> our abilities to discover stuff out in nature have improved drastically right. since that time. We need some serious monkey hunting. Uh, let's see, 1902. 1902. Yeah. So, 106 years ago. Yeah. That's a big ass <laughs> monkey. <laughs> yes, it is. But, A, like, we're not talking about a area of the world where a lot of people from industrialized society lived. Right. Um, And <laughs> Bigfoot, we're talking, like, right in our own backyard. A- and beyond that, I mean... Huge animals produce a lot of stuff. You know, they leave behind corpses. They leave behind clumps of hair and droppings and droppings. Know. What are those? Uh, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. I believe it's called scat. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the the point is, it it takes one body for Bigfoot to go from existing in this kind of limbo of, you know, is it real or is it an animal or is it an alien or or what? It takes one body to go from that to being in the textbooks. Right. Why hasn't that happened? I I think, I know. you know, I think there are a heck of a lot of Bigfoot sightings. The only way they make sense to me is if it's not an ordinary creature. Um if there's something else going on there. Or if it's like big freaky mountain homeless. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous and there's no way for me to put that nicely, but why not? Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, a lot of them could be. Because humans could be smart enough to basically say, you know, and, and this is coming at the angle of it's an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because part of my argument, you know, I, I'm playing devil's advocate to you, but part of my argument where I see where you're coming from is an animal is just not smart enough to cover its tracks in that way. It doesn't understand all the ways that it could be found. Well, 
even an intelligent animal, like, <laughs> humans leave behind lots of stuff. Like, I don't think there could be giant human populations that we don't know about either. I mean, I, I think I anything like that we would discover. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that I really want to believe in. I, I want to, you know, I want to know that there's something out there yeah. that's that's uh, magical and, and mysterious. I'm watching... Um, well, me too, but that's... I mean, I'm not saying no to Bigfoot. Oh, no, I no, think I Bigfoot it. is yeah. a serious possibility. I'm just saying yeah. not a, a big ape. I'm watching Jonathan <laughs> Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norval and, and basically... Norrell, right. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan Strange is like going off about how this new magic, you know, what happened to the magic of magic, you know, I want yeah. there to be some magic left in the world, you know, and... And uh, that definitely is striking uh, a nerve with me because that's what I want. I yeah, want no to, uh, I don't need to be a part of it. I just want to know what's out there, you know? Yeah. That's my all-time favorite book, by the way. The other thing that was kind of popping to my mind here uh, when she was saying that it was coming and they couldn't see it mm -hmm. was, as ridiculous as this may sound, maybe it was a Bigfoot ghost. <laughs> Well, why not? Nah, I, don't I know. mean, if we believe in ghosts and <laughs> we, we believe, believe that we believe ghosts and, you know, are there any ghost cats? Yeah, I mean, that maybe honestly, that seems ghost. reasonable. Yeah. I mean, maybe you say, okay, it's only creatures with a certain threshold of intelligence or whatever. Right. But, you know, in many of these, you know, formulations of Bigfoot, Bigfoot is supposed to be intelligent. Right. So, yeah, maybe. Bigfoot <laughs> ghosts, are there out there? Well, I don't know. You're listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back. We got the news. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Uh, we now got some news. Sean, what do you got for us? That's right. Well, the UFO bombshells do keep dropping here. Um, we've got another video released by the government of Navy pilots uh, remarking on an unidentified flying object. Uh, very similar to the last two that were released, um, I believe, uh, one and two months ago, respectively. Uh, so it, it's the same features. It's taken um, from a plane. Uh, it's taken with an infrared sensor on the plane. So the video appears to be black and white. And the darker it is, uh, like the colder it is. So that's why in these videos, the, the uh, UFO appears as a uh, very bright white spot mm. against a, a dark background. Um, so it's the same exact thing there. There's a number of extremely unusual features of this video. A, um, the UFO appears extremely bright, so it is abnormally hot. B, it is not leaving behind it a trail of hot exhaust, which pretty much any other craft would do. Um, I don't know. I don't know if all drones would do that, but anything with jet propulsion... Right. Would do that. Anything that burns that hot that we know exactly. of. Exactly. Um, they're moving extremely quickly. Uh, and in one of the videos, uh, not this most recent one, but in one of them, at the end of the video, the uh, UFO rotates perpendicular to um, 
to its original position and keeps flying, which the pilots remark on as, well, what did it just do? Because, you know, craft don't do that. And another one, um, the camera's tracking this thing, uh, and it's designed to track speeding aircraft. Um, that's kind of what it's for. And at the end of the video, it just accelerates right off to the side, and the camera can't track it, and it's just gone. So at the beginning of your telling me this, um, I want to just clarify if you misspoke or, or mm-hmm. if you knew this. Um, you said that the government released yes. it. Yes. So that is that is what is unusual about this. Yeah. It, these are not amateur YouTube videos. Just like – so the two that leaked earlier uh, came out at the same time as the news about um, the whole UFO program. Uh, that the government had. This uh, new one is from the same program. Uh, Now, I read about this in the Washington Post just now. It's been reported on widely in the mainstream press, and the chain of custody is fairly undeniable. It is coming from our government. These are Navy pilots who have seen these things. Now, I'm not saying it's aliens or whatever. I am saying it's obviously something... (laughs) It's right. a smoking gun. These Navy pilots don't know what they're looking at. The government has offered no explanation whatsoever for what these bizarre craft could be. Right. Um, so, and the Washington Post article I read basically said, so why is no one looking into this? This is insane. If these are Russian or Chinese super aircraft or whatever, shouldn't we try and know that? Right. Yeah, the the question that pops to mind is like why, you know, governments in general are not really in the business of releasing questions without answers. Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> things that potentially cause hysteria, things uh-huh. that, that potentially cause people to question what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I think a flip side of that argument could be <clears throat> people are up in arms and pissed about them spending so money, much money looking into that and them saying, well, look, here's some stuff that is why we spent that money, mm-hmm. you know, but, but even then that seems very out of character for our government. Right. Well, it is hard to say. I, I think, um, some of the earlier stuff was released basically because, well, some of it was released just because of serious investigative journalism that kind of forced the issue. At least one of the videos was released, uh, because Harry Reid is a believer, basically, that these are alien craft, and because he wanted that information out there. Um, this latest one, as far as I know, it was released from the same people without explanation. Um, but this was just in the last week here. It's it's very bizarre. This whole chain of events is very bizarre. I was going to say that, uh, that I also read the article. I believe that... That video was taken in 2015. Yeah, so. that's correct. Yeah, so, so yeah. one of the videos was 2004. Uh, the latest one was 2015. There was, I forget when the second one was taken, but all, you know, relatively recently. I can't help but to think that, you know, just I'm I'm most blown away by the fact that the government released it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what blows me away the most, you know, because for years people have been saying that, you know, uh, a prime example would be Richard Hoagland. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of his. Uh, you know, he's he's constantly saying that through our movies and through our media that that the government has been prepping us for the idea that 
this stuff is out there so that when we do find out, you know, we don't go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about that, but it. Well, what other reason could they possibly have to say, hey, look at this stuff we don't know about? You know, I, I guess maybe I mean, I would like if our government did that, because obviously look at SpaceX. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the time frame that SpaceX has taken to basically become a major contender with NASA. Right. They basically did it in just a matter of years. Yeah. You know what? And and their plans for dropping off cargo on Mars. They got done in like a 10 year period. You know, they're planning on dropping off stuff by 2020, but it was just on the news where Elon Musk was talking about how it might happen as soon as next year. So they might actually be ahead of their timetable. SpaceX was actually founded just in 2002. Yeah. So in a, yeah. In a 16 year period, they've done more than NASA's done in like 50 years. Right. And so, (laughs) so I mean, I get that. Right. And so maybe. Maybe these sightings, they're saying like, okay, well, we don't know what this is. Let's throw this out to, yeah, you know, people who maybe can figure this out. But. Well, I, I have no explanation other, but it is weird. Probably the weirdest thing that's happened in UFO anything, like for 50 years yeah, or more. Crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, you've been listening to Radio Wasteland. Thanks for checking us out. Come on back next week. Sometimes you gotta let it go, just don't you care too much about it. Sometimes you gotta let it go, just don't you care too much about it. Sometimes you gotta let it go, just don't you care too much about it. Sometimes you gotta get up. Just don't care too much about it. Yeah, I don't care too much about it. Why well, don't care too much about it? Well, I don't care too much about it. No, I don't care too much about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got me.